1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
0: Thank you, Kenny. Uh, Matthew Collar usually joins us in studio on Tuesdays to talk, but he's going to be out at the new practice facility, so we'll catch up with him in like 30 minutes. Jason Stark on this Tuesday. But let's start out Judd Zolged with some good old, as we like to call it. Hit it. Reckless speculation. Ding, ding. Seven minute mark of the second quarter. Shot clock
1: is down to three. Kyrie Irving doing it in an on the defensive line. Brogdon about to get three. Put that shot up and down. <laughs> oh, Kyrie masterful inside.
0: Putting Malcolm Brogdon in the spin cycle. The escape artist and the teardrop.
2: Reckless
0: speculation.
1: All right, uh, so what's the setup? Well, here? here here's the setup. So I get get home after the show yesterday, and I immediately felt as left out as I I could feel because I jump on the couch and I turn on the television, and I start as I ordinarily do with the jump. Sports Nation is next. Around the Horn, PTI. It's the afternoon happy it's hour the yes, on ESPN, yeah, and I'm watching the entire thing. And they're speculating about where LeBron is going to go. And not once do I hear the Wolves brought up, which is not surprising. You're sat on your couch. But then, I'm th- then I'm beginning to think to myself, well, well, damn it, include us somehow. <laughs> Find a way to get us in here. LeBron's not going to come here, but...
0: He's he- not even... Like, there's seven or eight teams. He's going to have meetings with a quarter of the league. We can't even get a text message <sighs>
1: exchange. But then, But then a moment of clarity comes to me. Because among the multitude of teams that are mentioned in connection with the Cavs and LeBron's future are the Boston Celtics. Which and, make a ton of sense. And and when SportsCenter starts, who do they bring on but Stephen A. Smith to talk about this? And they say, but Stephen A., Kyrie and LeBron playing together again? He says, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Kyrie will not be there if LeBron goes to Boston. And I thought, there's the entree to not feeling left out. What about Kyrie Irving. Uh, Going back to what we talked about a year ago when this came up and, and the Wolves were on a list of teams that Kyrie would accept a trade to when he was trying to force his way out of Cleveland. What about Kyrie Irving at Target Center?
2: Reckless
0: speculation. Okay, so as you've seen here, I've spent the last hour. You brought this up an hour ago. I've spent the last hour going through salary cap ruminations, hypotheticals, potential realities and i have a path
1: you at one point okay? said you at one point said i don't think it's gonna work got up and left for a while <laughs> in the midst of in the midst of a preparation for a radio show you look like the most frustrated sports executive i've ever seen i don't think it's, it's gonna hard, work okay i have
0: to walk out it's hard Let, <laughs> let's set this up okay yes there's a path for Kyrie irving to join the Minnesota Timberwolves if LeBron James goes to Boston. But let's set this up, all right? The only way it happens is if LeBron goes to Boston. Otherwise, Boston's just going to stand pat with Kyrie and uh, Gordon Hayward coming back from the broken leg. And that that team, even without LeBron James, probably wins the championship next year, or at least wins the Eastern Conference and goes on and plays the Warriors in the NBA Finals. So, but if Danny Ainge gets the itch and says, you know what? Bleep it. LeBron wants to come here. Let's do this. Okay. okay. Boston can't just sign LeBron with their current roster construction because Boston's over the cap by five or six million dollars. So you have to clear salary in order to just if you were to opt out of his 35 million player option with Cleveland um, Boston would have to clear a lot of money to depending on what he wants to make. Cleveland is actually well over the luxury tax. Forget about the cap. Like, they're over the luxury tax. So, Mm -hmm. in any trade between Boston and Cleveland, they'd have to match salaries. So, the Wolves are also over the salary cap. So, they'd have to unload, just from a Kyrie perspective, they'd have to match the $20 million. They'd have to unload $20 million to take on Kyrie Irving's $20 million salary. All right? Also worth noting here in the setup, Kyrie... Is on a one year deal basically because he can opt out player option the following year. Yep. So he'd essentially be a mercenary, which is what Jimmy Butler is. One year left on his contract, and let's face it, Tom Thibodeau probably only has about say, a year left as well. This too, actually right?
1: worked so far,
0: right? So that that's the setup. It's and so there's a lot a lot to untangle here. LeBron James has a thirty five million dollar player option. So if he wants to make thirty five million dollars, it's really hard for the Celtics to land him by trading Kyrie back to Cleveland. Because there's a $15 million gap between their salaries. Mm-hmm. And Boston's, if you look at Boston's roster, they've got three guys on max or near-max contracts. And then everybody else is like $6 million, $3 million. So it's really hard for them to scrounge up an extra $15 million on their roster. The Wol- Like if the Wolves were in the same spot, they'd say, okay, we'll throw in $7 million of Cole Aldrich to match the salaries. All right. But Boston's one of the rare teams that doesn't have that. So. Um. So, if 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 LeBron wanted to make the thirty-five million dollars he's owed, if he exercises his player option in a sign in trade, the best option for Boston would be to trade Gordon Hayward. And the Ringer has a big outline of this. If you want to read more about this, it's just juicy.
2: Ruckless speculation. So,
0: the easiest path for Boston would be if they want LeBron, thirty-one million dollars of Gordon Hayward, and then like a couple other assets to sweeten the pot for Cleveland. But then LeBron and Kyrie would have to coexist again in a different spot. That's not going to happen. So, let's say say LeBron is okay making less than $35 million. Let's say he's made plenty of money in his life, and the difference between, say, $20 million and $35 million is is not that important to him, and he wants to build a team that can win first and foremost, and he's not as worried about being the highest-paid player and sticking it to Dan Gilbert, right? Mm -hmm. So... If he's okay making $20 million, he could opt out of his Cavs contract becoming a free agent. Then Boston would need to clear $25 million only to sign him. Because they're $5 million over the cap. If he wants to make 20 dollars million, they'd have to clear $25 million. Okay, stick with me here. All right. So they could unload Kyrie's $20 million and say another piece, like a Marcus Morris or somebody, to make room to sign LeBron if he's okay making less money. And this is where the Wolves come in. Because the Cavs... Or, I, or I should say, the Celtics would be looking for a trade partner, right? Yes. So, at that point, you'd have to think the Celtics are going to be a little bit desperate, right? We, we, hey, we got LeBron coming on board, but we have to unload Kyrie okay. Irving, and he only has one year left in his contract. So, you could probably, this is where like, you have to, you could debate on like what you'd have to give them, but could you give them a first round pick for Kyrie Irving? But okay. now, but now the Wolves would need a third team with cap space to take let's say, Jeff Teague's $19 million. You are
1: probably working that out. Because
0: if you're going to bring on Kyrie and you're going to have Jimmy Butler one year left, people might say, well, trade Wiggins, right? But you don't want to get stuck with two point guards making $40 million combined in a win-now season. Absolutely. So you would need a third team with cap space to take Jeff Teague's $19 million salary, (laughs) which is one year left and a player option, and then to sweeten that pot for a team, because Jeff Teague's fine, but it's not like there's a bunch of teams clamoring to take Jeff Teague's contract. You'd probably have to throw in a Justin Patton. So here's a young asset. Oh, Tips would do he's that. He's a first round pick from last year. You got him. And uh, and he's maybe ready to go in 2018, 19. Okay. So there are five teams with cap space, and maybe a willingness to take a bridge point guard slash you know backup point guard with one year left on his deal, as long as they get an asset in return, which could be Justin Patton. The Lakers, who already have Lonzo Ball, and they would have, in this scenario, missed out on LeBron James, right? Right. The 76ers, who have Ben Simmons at point guard. I don't think that's much of a fit. Nope. The Bulls, who have Chris Dunn and Zach Levine and some other young players. But again, it's only one year of Teague, and they would be getting an asset in a Justin Patton. He's not a bad player the The Sacramento Kings who have De'Aaron Fox was what the fifth oh. overall pick at point guard. Oh, I like that. But he's a really good. They're going to play De'Aaron Fox, yeah. so it have to be like a, again a backup role for but Teague. They are, but they are the Kings, so. And All right. Teague's former team, the Atlanta Hawks, who have Dennis Schroeder, Schroeder at point guard. Um, so th- so, it would one of those teams say, you know what? If you give us something of substance, let's say Justin Patton. Yep. If you give us something of substance, we'll take. The nineteen million dollar salary of Jeff Teague for one year, and uh, and we'll call it a deal. But all of this is predicated on LeBron James saying, "I'm okay making less money if it means getting Kyrie Irving out of Boston Which so that I can take his be. place."
1: Yes. All right. There so, it is. So you're telling me, right well, bra- well, first of all, Bravo. Yeah. yeah. Bravo, because that took an hour to do. Reckless speculation. I feel like the segment. I'm not sure about That's you, a master class in reckless I speculation say, I right feel, there. I feel Intern Max, take notes. I feel we've crossed I've, a, a threshold here of sorts. Reckless speculation is fun, but I think that went down a path that goes beyond. Like, that shouldn't be tried at, at home ever. That project could <laughs> blow up. So if here's you put what your that team in your be. home computer, it could blow up and your house blows up with it. So here's what your team would be, okay? You'd have Kyrie, uh,
0: Kyrie Irving at point guard. Jimmy Butler at shooting guard. Yep. Andrew Wiggins would still be on the team at small forward. Yep. And then this is where you could, it depends on if you could bring in, you know, some minimum uh, salary veterans who would look at this team now and say, whoa, okay, that's interesting. Carl Anthony Towns at either the four or the five. Well, I guess Taj Gibson would still be on the team. So Taj Gibson would be on your roster too. And then, You'd probably still try to move Gorgie, but these are all like other moves that you would try to make. They wouldn't have to be made. So Tyus Jones would be your backup point guard. I would say goodbye to Derrick Rose, but Tom Thibodeau might not. So if if this happened, which I'm gonna guess it's probably not gonna happen, but just in our hypothetical world, how would you put a Kyrie, Butler, Cat, and peripheral pieces? up against the other teams in the West because I think I, think I don't you, think it beats the Warriors, but it makes it a hell of a lot more fun if Tom Thibodeau here, doesn't train wreck it.
1: Here's why I do it. You got probably two years, right? So th- this is not... I don't look at the Wolves and say that, that this is a... a Five-year project. I look at this team and say the way that Tibbs is gearing things, it's meant to win immediately. And Butler and, and, so, and
0: Butler and Kyrie would have one year remaining. Correct. Player options. So, so it could be two years for them.
1: So, but if, if Kyrie comes here for what one year, you just go for it. There's nothing about wh- where this team is going, probably beyond Cat, that says that says there's a, a huge future plan here. Everything that Tibbs is going to do is going to be based on the fact that I want to win immediately, and I'd like to win a championship right now. And when you look at this team right now, they have no chance. They have zero chance. Golden State's going to going to beat you soundly. Houston, same thing. And so the fun thing about this is, and it, this goes back to what, what we discussed a year ago too, Phil, Kyrie Irving makes perfect sense. Kyrie, just one year. Give it a shot. If nothing else, it would be great theater and it would be great fun. <laughs> uh, I, a tweet
0: from our buddy Jacob Blazer. He says uh, his brain is now hurt with all of this NBA speculation. I need to take notes on all that. You
1: should have seen the work that went into Did that this. Makes sense to make that make this work. sense or was that too convoluted? It was convoluted to start off with, but actually the end, I get it completely. But it's, convoluted, it's not that hard.
0: It's convoluted, period. Because if this is where if, if you're over the salary cap in the NBA. You can't just take a it's, a... it's a soft cap, unlike the NFL, where you have it's like a ceiling and you can't go over the ceiling. In the NBA, the salary cap is about $100 million. But there are ways for you to get up to $140 million if you want to pay luxury tax like the Cleveland Cavs did last year. Do it for a year. So if you're the Wolves, and then they have other provisions. If you're over the cap, they'll give you what's called a mid-level exception in free agencies. You can sign a guy for $5 million or $8 million now and go over hurting. the cap. So it's... That's why teams have capologists on their payroll in their front office. I think we got one with right here stuff.
1: now. Phil hey, Mackey. Listen. 1,500 ESPN. I'm capologist. taking
0: office. I'm taking off. That was a very impressive effort. But the problem is if, I'll go back to it, if LeBron, if it's a sign in trade and he exercises that player option for $35 million, it just makes it a lot harder for teams over the cap to match the $35 million. And for for Boston, that would mean Gordon Hayward or Al Horford, because those guys are around thirty million dollars. I don't think he'd want to. I think Gordon Hayward would make the most sense. But if it just was if if it was just a choice between Kyrie and LeBron, LeBron would almost certainly have to sign with Boston for less money than his player option, and then Boston would have to find a trade partner. And that's for the Wolves. All come in.
1: I wanted, all I wanted was to be included. Okay, that's all, and now I am. Previous.
2: I just. I want to
1: find a way. I want to find a way to get somebody who's going to be a big deal here. And you did it. Kyrie Irving is a big deal. It's not LeBron, but it's still a big deal.
0: 651 646 8255 877 615 1500. Have we gone over the cliff with our reckless speculation? Next level.
1: That's or, what it's called. Or are we, right we operating there? Uh, Are we or operating We're completely uh,
0: crazy, but who cares? We're like the golden state warriors of reckless speculation. Joyous. <laughs> People are throwing stones
1: and criticizing Ooh. us, but we don't care. We're just taking three pointers. We're just continuing to launch launch it and yeah, it's not going. That's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Over twenty-seven. Fire That's up, up okay. another. Fire up another.
0: Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. We'll be back in the game before you know it. Mackie and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. He and Judd are back. Gentlemen, the moment has finally arrived on 1500 ESPN. Seven
1: minute mark of the second quarter. Shot clock is down to three. Kyrie Irving doing an inch on the defensive line. crossed it minded Boston out to get three. Put that shot up and down. Oh, Kyrie masterful inside. Putting Malcolm Brogdon in the spin cycle, the escape artist,
0: and the teardrop. So. Independent of this, uh, convoluted reckless speculation trade scenario that we just came up with in the opening segment there. Don't you think if you're in win now mode and you're the Timberwolves, if your goal is to win a championship right now in the, in the prime of Jimmy Butler's career before his knees officially blow out and before Tom Thibodeau sets the whole organization on fire internally, that like while you're still pushing down this path, you can't just, I don't think you can just add a couple fringe veteran players, you have to think big. You have to think about the the ripple effect wherever LeBron lands, if he lands in Boston, like you should be preparing for that ripple effect and maybe take advantage as a second or third team
1: in one of these trades. Don't you think? Oh no, I definitely do. Here's what I can't tell. I can't tell what Tibbs and and the franchise thinks about where where they are because the way that they're being run to me it's very clear. Win now. Win at at any cost, play guys as much as possible. There's nothing about the Wolves plan here from either the executive or coaching standpoint that says to me that there is a long term plan in place. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to I'd love to know what Tibbs says. Like, does Tibbs totally get that? Or is he sort of like, Well, I, I'm trying to build some something here and I can't tell. But yes. If I if I was an outsider coming in and they were to say to me what do you think of of this team right now I would say with what you're doing right now I would make any move possible to try and win because aside from from one or two components to this within 4 to 5 years it's going to look almost entirely different yeah and so okay let's
0: th- this is another scenario since we're into it since we're since we're just going to do this all in to start the show
2: recklessless
0: speculation uh, Brian Brian tweets in <laughs> it's like drugs <laughs> Brian tweets in okay yep if LeBron wants to go to Boston LeBron to Boston and then Kyrie to the wolves so this in this scenario well there's two ways to do this and then and then Wiggins would go to Cleveland plus a future pick to Cleveland from Boston and uh, and as Brian says maybe a Boston rotational guy. But the hard part is again matching the salaries. So LeBron, this is listen. I'm giving you a PhD in reckless speculation here. It's not just about this player goes here. There's salary cap ramifications. Oh yeah, no, you've done the work. Salary cap ramifications. I understand that. So Boston would have to take on 30 if if LeBron wants the player option to be exercised. LeBron has to uh, uh, Boston has to take on 35 million, and Kyrie only makes 20 million. So so Boston has to has to let go another fifteen million somehow, but their... and this is a credit to Danny Ainge. Can you make that work? Their roster is constructed in such a perfect way. So they have three guys making a ton of money, and everybody else not making any money. They've got Gordon Hayward making thirty one, Al Horford making twenty nine, and Kyrie Irving making twenty. Then it drops off to Jason Tatum, who I mean. That's one of the best assets in the NBA right now it's a 20 year old dude who's playing at a high level on a team that almost went to the finals and he makes six and a half million behind that Marcus Morris makes five Jalen Brown another guy who is just a blossoming star makes 5.1 and Terry Rozier makes three so so it's really hard for them like are they gonna have to would they give you also Jason Tatum and Marcus Morris no, now they're giving up no, so much of they that will team do that. right? And it doesn't make sense for them to do that. So there's almost no way for it to work if LeBron wants to make $35 million um, and they want to keep Gordon Hayward, which means the Wolves would be out of luck as that ripple effect team. But he very well could afford to say, that's okay, mm-hmm. I'll take less. Uh, yes, he could, I think. He could I mean, afford to paid, say that. What's he worth? Is he worth a billion dollars? He's yet? got to be pretty close. He's got to be pushing it. So the difference between 20 and $35 million, uh, would would not be that much. But again... If you're the Timberwolves and you're looking around the league and you got the Warriors dynasty in full effect and whatever the Rockets' response to the Warriors and losing in seven games, they're going to respond in some way. You'd have to think. I mean, LeBron James would be the one that they would like to bring on. And in the Eastern Conference, Boston's going to add, at the very least, two superstar, all-star players back to their team that almost went to the finals. And you are it's like you're sitting in here and you you've just walked onto the NASCAR track. You're at Talladega and you've got these cars that are running 205 miles an hour, and you roll up in a Chevy Cobalt. Like, you really think that if you're in win-now
1: mode... Yeah, and you've got a couple nice nice pieces, and that's about it. But have some self-awareness.
0: Right. Look around. That's where, if, and, if they just plan on going into the season as is, then they're not really in win-now mode. They're in
1: make-the-playoffs-now mode, but what's your next chess move? And that's why I think that they, they should say, let's just go, go in. Let's do it for a year. Let's do it for two years. And... That doesn't mean that in year three, we, we have to be terrible. But what it does mean is, is you are, you are going right into the teeth of two, if not three, but two for sure, great teams. And you're doing it with a couple of nice players. But if, if you think that, that you actually have a big three, you're delusional. You don't. You've got a big, you've got a big two and it might be a, a, very nice two. It's,
0: so, it's a big two. One of them only plays two thirds of the season. The other one is still so young and probably not ready to fully die. So if
1: you're going to do this, do it. Because the the thing too is Tibbs. Tibbs is gonna be around here how long? Four years maybe? Well, from five who, from, years from, from, maybe. From whose perspective? From well, his perspective, if, he's gonna be around. Well, sure, dies, sure. So. But so. if if you look at this in a real from a realistic standpoint, He's probably around for, for five years max. Probably. And so five years more or total? No, no, no. Max. Okay. No, no, no. Five years total. So if that's the case, and and he is absolutely hell bent on trying to win now and not just make the playoffs, but win, a guy like Kyrie makes perfect sense. Well, here's another one,
0: okay? Reckless speculation. I'm looking at the LeBron ripple effect. And how the wolves can capitalize on whatever he chooses, because the whole league is going to sit. There's like seven or eight teams. They're all going to be watching to see what he does, and then they're going to have to react decide to what they want to do. Yep. Because maybe if you, maybe there's two or three teams. The Sixers are probably interested in Paul George, but not until they know that LeBron's not going to go there. And the and the Lakers are interested in Paul George, but probably. Only if LeBron, although they might sign Paul George, even if LeBron James doesn't show up. But my point is, like, a quarter of the league is waiting, including the San Antonio Spurs. The the Spurs are on LeBron's list of teams that he wants to meet with, according to a couple different, like, Stephen A. Smith and some of these other guys. Well, if LeBron decides that he wants to play for Greg Popovich and says San Antonio, LaMarcus Aldridge is a great stretch big man, Uh, they've got depth, it's just the best organization in basketball, And we could all make this work with with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi is going to be back and healthy. If LeBron were to go to San Antonio, Kawhi would be part of that. Like LeBron wouldn't go to San Antonio and then Kawhi Kawhi peace out. It would have to all work together so that you can put two of the best two-way players in the NBA together. But if LeBron goes anywhere other than San Antonio, knowing what you know about what happened between Popovich and Kawhi Leonard last year, and Kawhi has, I want to say, one more year left in his contract. Kawhi might be gone. Isn't it likely that they're yes. going to try and trade Kawhi Leonard?
1: Yes, it is. Absolutely And if that's likely. the
0: case, if LeBron goes anywhere other than San Antonio, ripple effect, get on the damn phone. Greg, we've got this guy, Andrew Wiggins. He's just a bubbling monster beneath the surface. He's just ready for should, someone see, like you to you draw see some, him in practice. Yeah.
1: But here's the frustrating thing. It would happen. If Wiggins went to the Spurs, guess what? Pop would inspire him. Probably that would be the But You'd have thing. Kawhi
0: Leonard for a year to and pair with Jimmy Butler that's and Carl Anthony Towns. That's
1: true. But yeah, it, the interesting thing is this. If LeBron goes to the Lakers and Houston's still going to be good, very good. Golden state is golden state. If he goes, if LeBron ends up in LA, then if you're the wolves, it's ba- you're basically going to sit there and say, well, it's been fun for a, a year. We're gonna go back to the playoffs. We might get a high enough seed to win a round, but you're dead. So that so this goes back to if you're the wolves doing what you're doing right now, you should be as proactive as possible. And if you decide, okay, we're we're gonna build something, then Derek Rose does not come back. And then but everything the Tibbs does indicates to me that he has every intention, right or wrong, of trying to to not just compete, uh, compete for a playoff spot, but actually compete. And so you have to be, if you're, if you're the Wolves and you're not proactive, you're doing nothing then. You're absolutely going to spin your wheels. Uh, I've seen this a couple times. Our guy Hugh has tweeted this into the show a couple times too.
0: Um, whether you keep Tom Thibodeau or not, just cashing out your chips a little early on Jimmy Butler, knowing that he's 29 and whatever, 28, 29 and trading him to San Antonio for younger Kawhi Leonard. And we cuz Kawhi is what 26. He's a couple of years younger than Jimmy Butler. And then and now your nucleus would be younger. I was going to say healthier, but I don't know if you can say that after last year with Kawhi. That was so weird. Yeah. How much of it was injury? How much of it was just like a protest of sorts? I couldn't yeah. tell.
1: I couldn't tell. Like Spurs doctors cleared him at one point, but then he had his own doctors. If if Tibbs run is in charge of this team and trades Jimmy, I would be absolutely floored. I would be too. I think I they're absolutely together. shocked. I think so there they would have to be
0: the, ha- a pot. the hand of Glenn Taylor coming down and saying, "Oh, uh, actually, you're both going to be gone." At which, t- yeah, exactly. And, at which point and someone else is going to come in here and make the trade for you. Uh, all right, we're gonna we're gonna talk to Matthew Collar, Vikings mini camp. This is the last of their pre-training camp off-season workouts this week.
1: It was a big three days, Phil.
0: Is it just three days? It's a three-day mini camp.
1: Is media there all three days or? Ah, uh, yes, all open
0: every bit. Big time. Open. So we'll talk some some purple here with Matthew Collar. Packing order at the top of the hour. Jason Stark at 1130. Judd has a word for Prime Mortgage Lending. I,
1: I do indeed. And if you're searching for a mortgage company, I want to suggest my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough. And I want to do it because, as I've been saying for months now, folks, this isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather earn your trust than sell you a loan. And you're saying, well, Judd, that sounds fantastic, but what exactly does that mean? That means while Prime would love to have you as a client, what they want to do is sit down with you first, meet with you, explain their plan, and from there, the decision is up to you. This is about two very important things, uh, and this is true both to Prime and Kent. It's about teamwork and collaboration. It's what Prime is all about. It's what they believe in, and if you're shopping for a mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. For instance... Prime wants to take some of that mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can actually pay your closing costs? That's right. Not just include them in your loan, but actually pay them for you. And now you're saying, all right, this all sounds fantastic, but what's the website? I'm going to tell you. It's goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent.com. Once again, goprimewithkent, K-E-N-T. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad.
0: There's a touch of madness around here. Mackey and Judd on 1500
1: ESPN.
0: Yes, bikes go to mini This is it. Bikes go to mini camp
1: until July.
0: Until all Egan. of the uh, football executives and coaches are just deathly afraid throughout the entire month of July that players are going to get in trouble, arrested, yeah, well, it whatever. Can be it a is. Problem. I've seen it happen. So, so before we uh, we, we got to get into, I know Collar did some digging on this notion that Kirk Cousins isn't clutch, and he, he's uh, there's. 1500 ESPN.com. If you want to listen to the latest episode of the Purple Podcast and uh, and read about Kirk Cousins as a finish, we're going to get to that. My sources here, my Saturday Sports Talk sources, Kyler, are telling me that you're already sick of reckless LeBron James speculation. What is wrong with you? You're a basketball guy.
2: I know I'm a basketball guy, but we've been through this. I mean, this is uh, we're getting to the point where Ryan Longwell is going to have to go to LeBron and tell him to come back to Cleveland, right? I mean, it's
1: just <laughs> going to fly there's, there's, the jet.
2: There's a there's a breaking point for this. As much as I enjoy the NBA off season, it's uh, I think the most fun off season of them all, but like come on man. Like do we really have to go through 3 weeks before this can even happen and just sit here and read every list and every reason why he'll go to every single team. It's it's kind of worn
1: me down.
0: Yeah, I think you know what? You can just move to Canada then, okay? You can get the hell out and of our up, country. And, and get right. off Twitter,
1: Facebook, yeah. quit re- reading. Move to Russia.
0: The internet? You move to Russia, Matthew. That's what you can do. Uh,
2: they have basketball in Russia.
0: They do, actually. Yeah. Um so tell us what did you find? There was a there was an article on on ESPN.com and was it the was it the sando piece with anonymous executives and questioning Kirk Cousins as a finisher? What did you find when you dug into Kirk Cousins' history as a finisher on the field?
2: Yeah, I thought there was a a really interesting comment by an anonymous executive. Uh, I would assume that that anonymous executive didn't come from D.C., but, uh, you know, I mean, I think that there is a really big debate around Kirk Cousins because of his win-loss record and because. That team went to the playoffs one time with him. They got a lead in that playoff game and then let it slip away and ultimately ended up getting killed by the Packers. And I, I think that on one side, there are a lot of people who will say, oh, it was entirely his supporting cast. It was the organization's a mess. It's the defense. And then on the other side, you have people like this executive who say, look, the guy just can't win. And I think, as most things are, the truth is somewhere in the middle. When you look at all of his situational statistics that you would call clutch, you know, things like being down one score in the fourth quarter, that he's usually in the middle of the pack in those stats. But, you know, one of the problems is that there's always small sample. I mean, he's only got 190 throws ever in the fourth quarter down by one score. Well, that's like a third of a season, and he's been pretty good but not great, and he has led fourth-quarter comebacks. He had four of them last year, but some of them ended in field goals, so that doesn't really help your quarterback rating. And I think what you end up finding is that, you know, when it comes to any quarterback that is not Breeze, Brady, or Rafflesberger, that it usually depends very much on the circumstances. Luck is involved, supporting cast is involved, opponents, schedule, all those things. I I think that those will ultimately decide whether we – that Kirk Cousins is clutch or not, that it will be mostly the circumstances because he's going to be who he is.
1: So, boys, should we be pleased that basically, uh, since the season came to an end, we have been most concerned when it comes to the, the Vikings about the right guard play and and talking about the new QB. Has it been too quiet, or is that a good thing? Because this has been, if if I go back and think, I mean, ordinarily we're concerned about the quarterback position, and by concerned I mean genuinely concerned. There's at least two or three things. This has been one of the most remarkably, to me, quiet years I I can recall where there hasn't been a lot to dissect or be truly concerned about.
2: You know, that's actually on my mind today a lot from reading around the country, the other reports of, you know, this player, that player is skipping mandatory workouts. Earl Thomas put out a big long statement about why he was skipping mandatory minicamp and Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack, Odell Beckham, all these guys. And here you are with the Vikings with three players who don't have contracts. And I'm assuming, since they all participate in OTAs, Anthony Barr, Stefan Diggs, and Daniel Hunter, that we'll see them today and they'll be out here for minicamp. And it just seems like this team, you know, in the post-Adrian Peterson era, the, the only drama is usually just injuries. And uh, at least at this moment, you have more guys coming back than being concerned about, uh, you know, injuries that have happened so far with Delvin Cook, Pat Alpine's coming back. Uh, Nick Easton had an injury late last year. He's been in OTAs. So you're right. I mean, it really has for a team that has contract situations on the horizon. Totally lacked drama so far. But they are the Minnesota Vikings, so I feel like I'm speaking a little too soon here.
0: Yeah, Matthew Collar uh, from the Purple Podcast, 1500 ESPN.com, Saturday morning sports talk. So NFL Network did a little mini presentation about Adam Thielen in which uh, you had a couple talking heads say that Thielen reminds them of A, Jordy Nelson, and B, Julian Edelman, which is... Probably like if you could pick the two most cliche, predictable comparisons. Let's find the two white guy wide receivers who've been successful the last few years. You did some digging on that as well. Are there any non cliche comparisons that you can make to Adam Thielen as a receiver?
2: Yeah, I found that to be pretty funny. Although, I mean, it's not completely wrong. I mean, you know, someone like Jordy Nelson, a very smart, detailed route runner who uses his body and his competitiveness and great hands. So, like, there are some similarities, but it just made me laugh that they picked the two white guys. Uh, when you look at, the and also Jordy Nelson, like, five years ago, not so much now, um, but when you look around the league, you have to look for, if you're going to make a comparison to Adam Thielen, someone who's got a decent amount of size, can line up all over the field, can run routes at all three levels, so you, underneath, intermediate, deep routes, and that's where it it can be a little bit hard to find someone that's completely comparable to him, because most receivers who succeed in the league do one of those things well, all of them. So the guy that really stuck out to me as being similar is Michael Thomas from the New Orleans Saints. Uh, You know, he was drafted in 2016 behind Laquan Treadwell. Imagine if that was the uh, Minnesota Vikings wide receiving core. But there, there are very few guys who could do it, and one of the other ones that has a lot of the same numbers in terms of drop rates being very low and where they line up is actually Stefan Diggs. It's kind of like having two of the same guy with a very, very unique skill set and considering that one of them was undrafted and the other one was a fifth rounder. Uh, I, I mean, I think that we've just kind of gotten used to how good these guys are and how remarkable it is. They're, both of their stories, but the assets that Kirk cousins is inheriting here. And this kind of ties back into the clutch point. Like, Last year, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen did things that made Case Keenum clutch. Like, I don't know if he really was or not, but the Rams didn't make Case Keenum clutch the year before. And I think we may see this year with Kirk Cousins where he has a little more success in those big spots because these guys are able to just make special plays.
1: At what point uh, in, during the course of this camp? will there be a press conference held where you guys will all hear that Laquan Treadwell has turned a corner that it's remarkable. It's remarkable, but we are so happy with Laquan because it's going to happen at some point in the next three days, Matthew. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mike Zimmer has been pretty hesitant so far in, in his quotes have mostly been like, yeah, he's not being as hard on himself now, or yeah, you know, this year's pretty important for him. So it, I mean, last year it was very much like, oh, yeah, he's getting it this year. He's coming along that that we were being sold that storyline. But, you know, I think this time around we won't have quite the hyperbole when it comes to him having it figured out. Now, if he has one really good day at training camp, <laughs> yes. then it's on. Then it's on. Because he did have some good OTA days, no doubt. But, of course, it's OTAs. Uh, I think everyone sort of shrugs their shoulders there. But if you get the fans out there, you know – and uh, he makes a big touchdown catch like he did in training camp last year, uh, then maybe you'll get a little bit of excitement.
0: Okay, so is I, I know it's just become a foregone conclusion that he's worthless and that he's a bust. Is there any sliver of chance that he's a productive wide receiver over the next couple of years, or is it just correct to say that he's a bust and they're riding out his guaranteed money?
2: I think the – I mean – Productive wouldn't be the word I would quite use. (laughs) I think I would say...
0: Alive and has a pulse, maybe. is the Maybe let's go there first.
2: If you said, is it possible that he has a role in this year's offense? I would say yes, it is. Because I don't know exactly where Kendall Wright's going to fit in because Thielen and Diggs play slot a lot. And with Laquan Treadwell, last year his role was basically to go stand on the other side of the field and distract one player... So he can, I mean, he can do a little bit of that, and he had a couple of catches here or there. I mean, it's that—that's about as far as I could possibly go. Is like, does he get on the field for 25% of snaps, and they use him in some situations, or if someone gets hurt, does he play quite a bit more? I, I would say that that's possible, yes, but for him to have an actual productive role, that seems pretty unlikely at this
0: point. Yeah. Uh, give us I know you have an article on our website ten things that you learned about the Vikings during OTAs. Is there anything remaining here during this brief mini camp portion before we go into the uh, the month long hiatus? Is there anything you're still looking to learn before training camp, or is this all mostly just uh this is just a bridge to get to uh July and August?
2: I think since we get to see three days, there's a couple things. I mean, number one, does Mike Hughes get any reps with the first team? He didn't get many in the couple of days we saw with OTAs, but now we'll get a bigger sample. Um, does Brian O'Neal, their second-round pick, get a shot at all the play of the first-team offensive line so far? Haven't seen him do that. And the kicking competition, boys, it's heating up. Uh, when we saw it, it was decidedly Danny Carlson was better than – Kai Forbath in the couple of OTA days that we saw. But now we'll get even more of a look at the rookie versus Kai and and see how that goes. But, yeah, I mean, this team is like we know most of the starters at every single position, and we know most of these players. We have a pretty good sample on them. We know the coaches. The offensive coordinator, it's really hard to stand out here in minicamp and get a good feel for John D. Filippo. So what we're really looking at is just how some of these rookies look and maybe if some undrafted guy starts to make a name for himself. I mean, the guy they got from the CFL, Brandon Zilstra, had a great day the last time we were out here. You always have to say it doesn't mean a whole lot, but there is a wide receiving spot that is going to be open. Someone can win, and that's going to be worth keeping an eye on. Other than that, I mean, this team is kind of – who we think they are.
1: It's too quiet. If I'm Kai, I do say, <laughs> cut me. Just cut me now. Just let yeah. me go. I, I, I'll find a job. But but if I'm Kai and I go to camp, your odds of actually beating out a, what, a fifth-round draft pick? Is, is that correct, Matthew? Your odds of beating out that draft pick are so low, I would just say, you know what, be professional here. Let me go. I'll find a job.
2: Yeah. And the thing is, too, that, like, uh, Danny Carlson, his Uh, leg is for real I mean he kicked one from 50 yards that was good from 65 I mean it was it was a monster kick and I went like okay I understand why they really like this kid I mean that certainly does not mean that he's going to be super accurate or that he's going to make every kick or he's going to hit a 52 yarder in a playoff game like Kai Forbath did but you can see why they were wowed by by him kicking the ball, because, I mean, the guy's like 6'4", 230, so he looks like a linebacker out there. And then there's Kai Forbath, who looks like, uh, you know, Judd at a younger age or something. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a little bit of a funny comparison to see them walking around together here. But I agree with you on Forbath. I mean, they they drafted this kid with a pick that high. I mean, almost always that kicker is going to make the roster unless something goes really, really badly. So if you're Forbath, it's got to be in his head, too. You know how these kickers are. And with Forbath, it's got to be in his brain that this guy is basically going to take his job.
0: I think we found the next thing that we can have Judd do on camera, athletically. How about yes. attempting, attempting a field, field goals? goals? I'd have yes, no shot. Absolutely. Absolutely no, no we'll, shot. We'll make that happen next week. Thank you, Matthew. Right. Bye, Matthew. Enjoy Great football guy. practice. Matthew Collar from 1500ESPN.com, Purple Podcast, and Saturday Morning Sports Talk. Will you be able to elevate the ball at least? I
1: would think. No? <laughs> you see me trying to shoot a basketball? I don't know. I can't assure you of that. I can't when assure you, SM, you that the ball would kick
0: the ball of any kind
1: a soccer ball, a football. Competitively, a at kickball. all? Did you play kickball ever? Yeah, when I was a kid. Okay, I haven't kicked a ball in any type of, of competitive vein in probably thirty five years. <laughs> like I've kicked a ball towards someone, but not competitively. <laughs> I don't know. I honestly, if you took me out right now and and gave me a football and held it for me, I think I would squib it. I don't think I would get or if it if it, you, if who it left a football in the trunk. Dave, do uh, you have a football in your trunk? I, I can by tomorrow. Okay. It would I've go cowards. five yards. Make this happen. <laughs> it might go five yards. It might go five yards up and then crash back down to earth very quickly. 20 shots, 27-yard left hash, just picking a random distance. I don't know why I would pick that. Yeah? You get 20 shots. Yeah. Do you come close even once? No, absolutely not. I think the hardest part would be
0: would be elevating it, because what is it about? What's the goalpost? About, about to 10, 10 feet, feet? so, yeah.
1: yeah. About 10 I don't feet. think I would. Hmm. Hmm. I think it'd be very, very difficult to to come close. we'll see you next week.
0: Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. No! No! no, Now! I need it now! Yes! I can't wait. Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. Now, back to Mackie and Judd. I'm ready! Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN has your chance to win your way into the X Games. Check out the 1500 ESPN stream player and listen on air for ticket giveaways. X Games Minneapolis returns to U.S. Bank Stadium July 19th through the 22nd. Featuring competition from the greatest action sports athletes, musical performances by Cascade, Brother Ali, Ice Cube, and Zed Plus X-Fest, and the X-Fest Interactive Village. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword, events. Thank you, Dave. Okay, on that conversation we just had with Collar about the comparable receivers to Adam Thielen, and uh, I'm just diving into his article. And here. white guys. Yeah, it was it was NFL guys. network, it was <laughs> cornerback Demarius Randall and linebacker Blake Martinez who were commenting on guys who remind you of Adam Thielen and, and the answers were Jordy Nelson and Julian Edelman. Yeah, of course it was. And the ones that he put out there, Collar, when and so Collar went through he actually did some digging and said, Okay, let's look at forty yard dash, let's look at how often they're used in the slot versus how often they're used on the outside. What's their drop slash catch rate? What's their deep catch success, right? Like, are they deep threats? Are they underneath threats? Because Julian Edelman works almost exclusively between the line of scrimmage and 10 yards out, right? I mean, he right. averages like nine yards a catch or something. Mm-hmm. And he's a great wide receiver. But Adam Feeling can catch a ball 30 yards down the field, and he's he's a deep threat, too. He's versatile, definitely. And so the guys that Collar put out there, after digging through all of these different you know, analytics or whatever... Keenan Allen from San Diego, who is about the same height, six foot two, two 210 pounds. Actually, he's far slower than Adam Thielen. Keenan Allen ran a 4.7 40-yard 40 dash. Thielen was a 4.4 hmm. coming out of college. Marvin Jones from the Lions. Now, he's an outside receiver only in Detroit. But similar size-wise, they're similar... In terms of 40-yard dash, in fact, they ran the exact same 40-yard dash coming out of college. But the difference is Marvin Jones, he, he doesn't play on the inside. Adam, Adam Thielen could line up as a slot receiver or as an outside receiver on the same set of four downs. And he's
1: good at both jobs.
0: Yep. This this is one that I think he's a little shorter, but Doug Baldwin is the one that I... And Doug Baldwin's on this list, too. Very similar in terms of how they're used, but five foot ten is Doug Baldwin's height. And Thielen's a little taller, can get above cornerbacks easier.
1: Receiver-wise... Collar's new, new here, so I think he I think he thinks that that Vikings fans might take uh, that spot for granted because it's been good now for about two or three years. But all I got to go back to is a guy like Michael Jenkins. The post-Moss years were really, really lean. So I, I actually ha- have an appreciation for the fact that they have found guys at that spot again because we went through post-Randy the first time. We went through at least, what, about a five-year period. Berrien came in and was pretty good at first and then declined. But it's been a long, long time since this, this team had two really competent guys at that spot. Two superstars. I mean, they're, they're very, 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 very good. So I don't think Vikings fans take that for granted because we saw, we saw how many guys drop passes, run wrong routes, not be fast, be washed up. Well, I think, so I think both, yes, there was such
0: a long drought after Randy Moss with the Bobby Wade era and Troy Williamson, all those. But I almost think it's come back around full circle to where a lot there's a lot of different people around the league and whether it's the pro football focus websites that that they go up and down and they watch game film and they will tell you that the Vikings have two of the top 12 wide receivers in the NFL. But if I think if you were to pull average Viking fan and say yes or no, do you think the Vikings have two of the top twelve wide receivers in the NFL? Or do you think the Vikings have the best wide receiver core in the NFL? Now that you've added Kendall Wright as a number three guy, that's a guy's thousand yard receiver a couple years ago. I don't know if it would be overwhelmingly yes. I think it would be kind Ooh, of 50-50. I mean, I guess we could put we could put a poll out just to see if I'm right, but I th- I almost think we've come back around. Not that they're fully underappreciated, not to the Joe Mauer extent when he was one of the best hitters in baseball, and people still crap down. Yeah, I him. don't know about that. I um, think
1: that they are. But if you if you I said they hey, really are, because I, I,
0: I think I think the Vikings have the best wide receiver collection in the NFL right now. I'm not saying they have the single best wide receiver, but if you're talking one through three, they've got. Two, I think it's number one in the NFL. They've got
1: two stars. Yes, they've got two stars, and th- this was a team that spent. A a five five to eight year period trying to find one guy. There was so much recycled dreck here, and they weren't all terrible, but they weren't very good, mm. and they didn't help. So I I think if if you watch this team post Moss, I I think you have a thorough appreciation for the fact that this team now puts at least two guys on uh, out there on a weekly basis that are actual threats and are very very good. Yeah.
0: Uh, one hour down for us. We're on until one o'clock. Pecking order when we come back. Jason Stark at eleven thirty. One of our favorite guests every week. He's always loaded with twins trivia for us. And there's actually we'll get into this at eleven o'clock too. There's an article that Jeff Passan wrote for Yahoo Sports, and he and he summarized immense members' ideas for how to fix baseball in multiple different categories. So we're gonna we're gonna turn to that at eleven o'clock and see. There's ten ideas spanning multiple different conundrums or problems the baseball has and so we'll do that at 11 o'clock. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. You know what they need? Tweaks. They tweaks. Need tweaks. Tweaks. On 1500 ESPN.